Welcome to another healthcare podcast. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Today, we're going to talk about the scariest topic known to man, student debt. Specifically, we're going to look at how young physicians can move from debt reduction to asset accumulation and protection. To help soothe all of our financial nightmares, we're talking to Dustin Eldridge, a certified financial planner practitioner from Carter Financial Management. We're going to talk about some of the things that you probably didn't know about your debt, how to efficiently and responsibly plan for your debt, and about some of the systemic issues that fail in preparing students to deal with their debt. How you doing, Dustin? I'm doing well. How are you, Elmer? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So, Dustin, today we're talking about kind of a big topic, right? We're trying to help young physicians move from debt reduction to asset accumulation and protection. So my first question is, what do you think are some of the main things that students don't know about their debt until it's either too late or post-graduation? I think the, the most important thing that they don't learn is the various payback options that are available to them. And depending on the type of debt, there's a number of options. So I, I think one thing that's lacking in almost all institutions from a college standpoint is an education of, you know, upon graduation, here are the options based on what you have to pay this debt back. You know, you always just think, oh, I have, you know, $100,000 in debt. I think I'm going to make $150,000 in income you know, here's how much I think it'll be, but I don't really know because you don't know what the payback options are. So I think it's just a lack of understanding of how or what are the options of paying the debt back um, is, is really just not known by a lot of graduating uh, seniors, whether it's a, a doctor or just a four-year bachelor's degree. Right, right. I do think it's, it's definitely a systemic issue, right? Because it does feel like something that should come along with your degree, right? Learning how to be financially sound and financially fit. But I'm curious, right? I think we all hope this is getting better, but have you actually seen any progress on this front? Are things better? Are they worse? Are they the same? I, I definitely think it is. Uh, you know, I was one of the first people in my family to go to college probably since the 80s. Um, and so it was about 20, 25 years after that that I went to college. And so I was kind of the, the guinea pig of student loans, I guess you'll say. And I've just seen even with my, within my own family, cousins, brothers, uh, going to college, they learned lessons about what not to do with student loans because of what I went through. And I think that's happening more and more in society. You know, as maybe the early 2000s, uh, college graduates uh, started to get into the workforce and have to pay back these loans, the younger generations, whether they were relatives or just friends uh, that have started to go to school later than that and graduate, you know, had some examples uh, to learn from. So I think that it is changing and then obviously it's been in the media for a number of years so people are just becoming more aware of it i still don't think there's enough people out there helping those kids uh, but i think it is changing for the better there just needs to be more people out there to help them uh, when they do get into the workforce so you know when we're talking about people getting help and seeking help to to help with this uh debt is there something people should worry about or, or be cautious about when they're looking for someone to work with? Is there common, you know, malpractice or people trying to take advantage of the situation? I think, unfortunately, it's always in, in any field, the few hurt the many is what I like to say. There's always going to be, you know, some people out there looking to take advantage of, uh, especially in, in what we're talking about, physicians who are going to have a high, you know, income rate out of uh, medical school anyways. So there's always going to be people that try to take advantage of you. So I think it's just 
making sure if you are seeking advice and you're talking to people, uh, just fully understanding their background, what kind of credentials they have, such as I have a certified, I am a certified financial planner practitioner. So do they have a designation that says, you know, hey, they've spent extra time and have been certified to do what they're doing. Uh, so it's knowing who you're talking to. And then really when you're sitting down with somebody, I think that a lot of people can tell whether or not they can trust that person. So work with somebody who you feel like you can trust, uh, not just you know, the first person that you come across necessarily. So maybe talking to a few people is another thing that uh, these recent college graduates should try to do. So what about playing the opposite end, right? What about someone just getting, you know, a four-year bachelor's degree who doesn't have that same kind of safe financial safety net um, with a higher pay rate? Are there alternatives for them? Should they be as worried? What What are your thoughts? I think they they have some of the same options because, you know, if you look at it, probably the ratio of income to debt for a physician is not much different than the ratio for a bachelor's degree to the debt that you have for a bachelor's degree. But there, besides options that maybe cost some money as far as sitting down with a financial planner and doing a financial plan and, you know, they charge you for that plan. Even within our field, uh, the FPA, which is a financial planning association, offers pro bono work. Um, so you can still find plenty of individuals out there who are willing to just sit down with you for free and help you understand the debt that you have or, or other parts of your financial life and help you kind of put the pieces together as you're entering the workforce. So, you know, I think for somebody who maybe doesn't have the financial means is, is what you're referencing. There are free options out there. So it's just, you know, starting to do some research and, and find the right organizations. But the Financial Planning Association is a great one because they push and offer pro bono work or, or free advice uh, to people in that type of situation. Right, right. So, you know, I, I read that on average, you know, physician student debt is around the 200K area, which is which is pretty insane. But, you know, after someone establishes that, all right, I, I need a plan, I'm going to work on making a financial plan, What's the next step? Is it just following through? Is there something you know that they're missing? You know, I think after you have a plan, it's it's finding a way to be disciplined and follow that plan. You know, for recent college graduates of any kind, a lot of things are going to be thrown at them. Their lives are going to change quickly, whether that's starting a family or you know trying to upgrade their lifestyle from eating ramen noodles in college to, you know, as their income grows, they can start to do a lot of different things. So it's, it's really kind of stopping yourself from uh, moving too quickly through life and making sure that you can continue to follow the plan that you, that you put in place. And I think my advice that I often give to individuals in this situation is take it one step at a time. Uh, because you will have so many things that you could do, but focusing on one thing at a time tends to bring more success across all of your goals or across all of the things you put in your plan if you just take them one, you know, one thing at a time. So I think that's, that's really the, the focus once the plan's in place. One step at a time and sticking to the plan because there's going to be a lot of obstacles or deviations you can take uh, in those first few years. Right, right. And and I think another thing that seems pr- like a pretty common thought is, okay, here's the money I'm making, here's my debt, let me just attack this debt and get rid of it as fast as possible. 
But from what I understand, this generally isn't a great strategy, right? Yeah, I mean, if you run the numbers of, you know, the return you get for just focus, focusing on debt solely, and you're going to spend all of your time putting all of your money, I should say, towards one thing, and you're, you're not able to invest any of it and get a return, especially, you know, we're in a, a new marketplace that other generations haven't been in and that interest rates are finally rising. You know, when you can put your money in a, a money market account and get 2%, if you're not putting any money into the money market account and all of it towards debt, yes, you're reducing your debt, but every dollar you put towards debt that you don't put in that money market account or savings account, you're not getting any kind of interest return. So, you know, when you crunch the numbers, just paying off debt by itself isn't the best, you know, bang for your buck. Uh, but people do are tending to lean that way because they want to get rid of the debt so badly because they've heard the horror stories or they just feel the pressure that that's what makes them feel best. But maybe a combination of the two things and not going 100% one way or the other, but also maybe not doing you know three types of investments, uh, just do pay off debt and pay extra on the debt so that you pay off faster, but take any difference that you have instead of putting it all towards debt, you know, put that into a savings account or a money market account or start investing it and give yourself an opportunity to earn something on some of your money uh, versus just putting it all towards debt, which will benefit you. But in the long run, uh, you know, you will miss out on some sort of return on that money. Right, right, right. And and it de definitely just doesn't seem sustainable, right? Like it, if you look at a graph with that slope, it's not going to be enticing. Yeah, it's boring for one. It's yeah, you're not you're not feeling maybe you feel great because you have less debt, but you're not feeling like you're growing your net worth, which is you know, is exciting and, and interesting and any person would like to do that. So it's, it, it is not the best feeling, I would say, as far as you're working all this time just to pay off debt. Uh, that's not fun for anyone. So outside of straight up not, you know, making a financial plan or working towards your debt, what are some of the common mistakes you see well-intentioned people making? I think some common mistakes that people are making, the most common is living outside of their means. You know, the keeping up with the Joneses for a lot of young people, uh, there's all kinds of new technology coming out every month, every year, uh, you know, buying the new clothes, whatever it might be, buying a house that maybe is bigger than you needed. Um, upgrading your lifestyle beyond your means is probably the biggest mistake that young people make today. Um, so besides upgrading their lifestyle, you kind of brought it up, you know, there are some people out there who will uh, pitch investments, whether that's in real estate uh, or small businesses that are very risky investments and have these wonderful looking returns, but for young people could put them in a situation where their money is locked up for a long period of time and they're seeing nothing in return for that. Uh, and then they're unable to you know, do their other, complete their other goals because they've put their money into something that they can't get it out of you know, for 5, 10, 15 years. Um, or they don't fully understand the investment and they ultimately end up losing, losing the money that they put into that and they don't even know why. So I'd say upgrading your lifestyle and then just investing in things that are shiny and produce a large return, but not understanding that there's a lot of risk typically in, involved in that type of investment. So I'd say those are the two main things. So Dustin, fast forward, someone did all this correctly, they're out of debt now, they have the monkey off their back, 
what should they do now to continue to be financially fit and financially sound? I think it's, you know, at that moment in time, it is creating the plan. And the, and the plan really starts with just sitting down and thinking, what do you want to do with your, with your life, with your finances? What are the things that you want to achieve? Because there's the common ones, you know, buying a house, starting a family, saving for retirement, saving for college for, for your kids. Um, but people have all kinds of goals that they have. They want to travel the, the world in, you know, their first 10 years out of college. So really just thinking about what do you want to do with the money that you're earning that is, that is excess and available to, to do something with. So starting with what do you want to achieve in your life and then creating a plan in order to achieve those things, that's your first step. Uh, and again, I think that having the plan, which again is kind of a boring concept, really helps you stay disciplined and focused on what your goals are and so that you don't get off track or get distracted by the many other options that are out there for your free cash flow. Yeah, I think it seems that generally people don't realize that this should be a lifelong process, right? It's not just to get this monkey off your back, but it's generally to make sure you're, you're, you're managing your money correctly. Yeah, and that's, that's the change that in our industry that, that we are trying to communicate uh, is that a financial plan or a plan in general to achieve anything, but a financial plan is a living, breathing document. It's not just, hey, we put this plan on paper, here it is, okay, and we come back and look at it in five years. Really, it's here's the plan, now it's in motion, and it's changing. As your life changes, your plan has to change. So it's not this stagnant document on paper anymore, and, and in our industry, you know, new technology is allowing us to move away from just something written out, handed to a client and say, here you go, good luck. It is an ongoing online interactive experience now. And that's because life doesn't just, you know, happen on a piece of paper. It is always in motion and always changing. And, you know, you said you may write in a plan that you want to buy a house in two years and then something dramatically changes and that's now 10 years away. Uh, so it needs to be flexible and adjust to your ever-changing life. So I think that that's what our industry is trying to move away from the, here's your plan on paper to that your plan is really a living, breathing aspect of your life. Of course, of course. Well, Dustin, thank you so much for being so candid with me and, uh, and for joining us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can go to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to articles, podcasts, and video content for your favorite industries. I'm your host, Elmer Guardado. Have a good day.